Hello and welcome to Cycling Talk with me, George Mahoney. In this episode, I am joined by trials rider and Guinness World Record holder, Andre Burton. I've seen some of the really cool tricks that Andre does, and I'm really interested to find out more about his trials riding. Thank you for joining me today, Andre. No worries, Georgia. Thank you for having me. Can you tell me your first memory of being on a bike? Okay, first memory of being on a bike. Um, that is actually quite a tough one because I, I have a terrible memory. Um, I remember I used to cycle to school, which is basically how I started riding bikes. So uh, I remember I used to actually ride pretty far when I was quite young. Um, so my, my memories are of uh, lots of traffic and busy country roads, actually. <laughs> Probably about 10, 12 years old. Yeah. What was the first bike you remember being really excited about? First bike I was really excited about. The first bike I really got excited about was um, actually, it was made by a company called Mission. Um, and it was a bike called a Reefer. And that's because there's a bike shop in Exmouth called Nobleys, which is still there. Um, and they were my first sponsors. And I didn't realize, but they'd actually arranged with the manufacturer to send me a bike for free. Oh. Uh, so it was my first kind of free bike. And it was, it was a really good bike. It was much better than the bike I've been riding up until that point. So um, that was really exciting for me. Yeah, definitely. It was, it was a good jump. Made me want to ride a lot more as well. When did you first get into trials riding? Uh, I was about 13 years old. And um, yeah, I, I basically used to ride to school and I was going to school in Exeter and I bumped into uh, some guys just jumping over some steps. And I kind of was really intrigued as to what they were doing um, and just fascinated by how they kind of did what they were doing. You know, it just didn't sort of make sense to me. So um, yeah, it just kind of got me hooked. So about 13 years old, yeah. Yeah. What was the first trick that you learned? Um, the first thing I learned was basically to hop on my back wheel, um, which obviously trials riding is sort of like best known for. But um, I would recommend that somebody else would not start with that <laughs> and that you actually start by uh, learning to control your balance and staying on two wheels and getting control of the bike and control of your weight and your balance over the top of the bike. Yeah. How did your parents feel about you doing the trials riding? Um, well, my, my mum was actually very supportive. Um, in fact, the first time I ever dropped off the roof of my house, I dropped off the kitchen roof, uh, my mum took photos of it, which was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, that was when I was probably 14. <laughs> do you remember your first event? My first event? I, I do very vaguely, actually. Uh, my first competition. Um, uh, I can't remember what year it was. I think 2002, uh, I went to... Um, a little place called Lusley, just near Bobby Tracy in Devon. They had a, held a competition there. And I don't know, I kind of, I maybe went with slightly high hopes and I hadn't ridden much like natural riding. I'd mainly ridden on the streets. Um, yeah. So like on walls and things rather than over rocks and logs and slippery stuff. Um, and yeah, I, I did terribly, <laughs> really bad. But it didn't put me off. It actually spurred me on to kind of like train harder and learn how to ride those kind of obstacles. Yeah. How many competitors were you against? Oh, I don't know. I think the whole competition was about 100 riders. Oh, wow. um, in my, my category, probably 25, 30 riders. Mm. Um, and I seem to remember I was somewhere near the bottom of the pack. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell me about some of your injuries? Wow. Um, where to start? I think some of my early injuries, I fell, I fell forwards. Um, 
uh, forwards off of a wall just from inexperience. And actually, again, one of the, the first things I would recommend to somebody else learning now is how to fall off and how to get off a bike safely so that the natural reaction is there when things do go wrong. And I kind of didn't have that reaction. And I fell face first off of like, I don't know, two meters tall or something onto concrete and literally landed on my face. Uh, had quite a lot of cuts and bruises all over my oh, face, yeah. all over my head. Fortunately, I didn't break my jaw or anything. I was okay, but just had like stitches and cuts all over my face. That's quite bad. Um, and then, yeah, since then I've done loads. I mean, I've broken my left ankle six times, I think. My right one twice. All the metatarsals in my left foot um, through two different accidents. Um, yeah, I've cracked ribs. Um, I had a grade three separation in my AC joint in my right shoulder. Broken my right elbow twice. Um, dislocated my right elbow. Um, you know, fractured, fractured my knee. Um, fractured my hip. Uh, had 22 stitches on my face on another occasion. Um, and yeah, I've probably had about 30 or 40 stitches in my legs. Um, yeah, all, all kinds of things. But it's probably because I probably push myself a little bit too much when I'm tired and I probably shouldn't. <laughs> Does it knock your confidence? Um, if I'm honest, it never used to. When I was um, when I was younger, when I was like a, a teenager and in my early twenties, no. Um, but now it does a little bit more. It does worry me that I mean, it's it's now my living, it's my income. So if I'm injured and I can't ride, uh, I can't do shows, I can't compete, um, and now I work for Ninja Warrior as well. That's even more. So so. Uh, if I get injured, it's, it's a little bit more serious. So it, it does knock my confidence a little bit more now, but um, I, I still push myself. I know, I think now the difference is that I've learned when to push myself and when not to push myself. Mm. Um, so if I'm tired and not feeling 100%, I won't try anything that I don't feel 100% confident on. Whereas when I'm feeling good in myself, nothing can knock my confidence and I'll just go for anything I want really. <laughs> What sort of trials events have you competed in? Um, I've competed in pretty much every event there is in trials, if I'm honest. I've competed in speed trials, um, obviously local competitions, national competitions, World Cups, European Championships, World Championships. No. Um, a test event for the Olympics at an event called the Fees Festival, which is the biggest extreme sports festival in the world. Um, finished fourth there last year. Um, motorbike trials competitions. So I've been invited to... Um, big competitions like in uh, a place called Cahors, which is near Toulouse in France. Competed there, I think, five or six years in a row. Um, I've been on the podium four or five times there and I've won it. I actually won it once as well, which was pretty cool because it. They, they literally only invite um, six to eight riders that are the very best riders in the world uh, to compete on the motorbike sections. So we ride exactly the same sections as the motorbikes. Uh, so it's it's really fun it's really cool and then the next day we get to watch the motorbikes actually try and ride what we rode the night before oh. uh, super cool event that is yeah that sounds really cool how does it actually all work like the trials riding what the competitions yeah so competitions now there's actually a new system which was partly developed by me actually in an event that i run in london each year uh for the last five years um and the way it's run now is essentially there's five or six sections depending on what's on the on the event um each section is broken down into essentially six big moves six main moves six gates um each gate is worth 10 points and you have to clear each gate 
um, without touching your pedals or touching your foot or obviously falling off the bike or anything to gain the points for each gate. And you have a two minute time limit on each section to complete uh, each piece. So so the idea is on each section, you have a maximum of 60 points. And then, yeah, so the overall, I I did a competition on Sunday, um, which I won actually, which was pretty cool. And that was uh, the maximum points you could get was 600. And I finished on 580, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah, which is quite cool. (laughs) Is there like a specific trial season? Um, yeah, generally there is. It used to be April to September. So the World Championships would be in September. Um, and then you'd maybe have one more World Cup just after the World Championships. Mm-hmm. The last three years, it was in uh, a place called Chengdu in China. They had the World Championships, which was actually held the first weekend of November for the last three years. So the trial season was actually pushed pushed back. So we didn't start until kind of July um for international competitions and then we went through to november and competed in the world championships out there how much support do you get from people alongside you do you mean like uh, in terms of sponsors and stuff yeah <laughs> probably not enough is the answer there um i have made up most of my living and paid for most things through doing shows and events so through me doing live events breaking world records um and things like that i've managed to uh, keep myself going and then my biggest sponsor is salt rock clothing um and they've been supporting me for 10 years or so now and without those guys to be honest like yeah my life would be very very difficult so um they've been a huge help they're definitely my number one supporters um in the trials community i'm quite lucky that um over the years i've become quite well known and quite respected so pretty much whatever bike i want to ride i can if i if I choose to ride it, I can kind of ask and say like, Hey, would you give me the bikes for the year? So I don't have to worry about, um, yeah, yeah. Buying bikes and parts and stuff. Yeah. Cause obviously that would cost a lot of money because my bikes are expensive. <laughs> um, so yeah, I get quite good sponsorship deals in terms of bikes and then salt rock support me to be able to, uh, finance the world championships and world cup circuit essentially. And then, um, I run my shows alongside to basically be able to live, um, and also they're just heaps of fun. I love doing shows. Do your friends support you a lot? Um, yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, my girlfriend's quite supportive. It's difficult because I'm away a lot. I mean, last year, 2019, I spent 10 months away from home. Um, okay. So I was actually only at home for two months in Exeter <laughs> the whole year. So it's quite difficult. I'm just constantly traveling. A lot of my friends, I have quite a, a broad spectrum of friends and a lot of my friends over the last 15 years of traveling are actually all around the world so we kind of that's the great thing about social media now you can stay in touch with people through uh yeah through social media so i i communicate a lot with my friends and they're all quite supportive and um especially the guys i train with internationally on, on bikes um we're always constantly talking and chatting and we'll we go to spain and train together or we go to france and yeah. train together or i'll fly to denmark and we, you know that kind of thing um, so yeah it's quite good yeah who do you travel with um that can vary quite a lot generally actually myself um because the people that i compete with so although i might travel there myself i'll stay at the venue with other people so for instance the world championships in china will uh, there's like five different nationalities of guys so we all fly in uh, separately and then we all meet up in china and then get a place together. So we, we do the whole competition thing together as kind of like a bit of a group, a bit of a crew. Um, 
and then yeah but I usually travel and quite often because I work so much so like last year I was in Saudi Arabia before the world championships um so I'm coming from like all different places so quite often actually by myself I travel a lot by myself <laughs> a lot of long distance driving by myself <laughs> yeah you mentioned the demos I actually met you at when I actually did my first race at a Barnstable bike festival and you were doing some crazy cool tricks and then I met you and then afterwards I went and I did my first race and then joined the local club awesome oh that's really cool I'm glad to hear that that's ace and you're still racing now yeah still racing now brilliant that's so cool what bike are you riding then um I'm riding well I've got a canyon mountain bike and then I've also got a form road bike oh nice excellent that's so cool that's so cool so you like you enjoyed the show then yeah i really enjoyed it excellent and so have you learned any of the uh, trials moves that i was doing in the show um no <laughs> <laughs> not yet not yet yeah, is the answer. No. I'm, I'm trying to sort of learn a few more skills to help me with my mountain biking yeah because it, it's interesting how um especially with social media if you see a lot of uh videos that go viral they're generally trials riders that just jump on a mountain bike and then people are like oh my god that's that's amazing and generally trials riders are pretty good mountain bikers as well mm-hmm. um a lot of my friends that are professional trials riders have competed in things like mega avalanche in the alps and stuff and they mm-hmm. they do really really well i mean i used to compete in downhill and cross country as well yeah so it's very transferable skill and i think just having the balance and brake control and body movement over the bike and things it can be if you can do it at slow speed then when you're going fast it's actually pretty easy yeah can you actually tell me a bit about your like downhill riding and your mountain bike riding um yeah i mean the last few years i haven't done nearly as much as i'd like um we did a trip out to the alps last year so we we went and did a couple of days in outdoors um and that was that was really cool um I started off more mountain biking than trials riding actually. And I used to do some dirt jump riding and stuff as well. Um, and I competed in road cycling as well, actually. (laughs) So I've pretty much done everything, everything except BMX. Never been on, never been very good on a BMX. Um, but, um, yeah, mountain bike wise, I I really enjoy it, especially enduro. I've actually just got a new specialized enduro, um, so that through the winter I can go out and train and I've got, um, uh, Pinarello Prince road bike so um okay I, I ride that not as much as i should but yeah <laughs> the problem is with me is i'm quite i do things excessively so uh i had an operation at the beginning of this year and then to recover the best thing was to kind of go out on my road bike um so within a very short space of time i was doing like a hundred mile rides with like 2000 2500 meters of climb um and I actually just massively overloaded my um, Achilles and I got Achilles tendonitis. So that's the kind of thing that I'll do. I'll be like, I'll go from like not riding a road bike for six months and then I'll ride three times a week and do 50, 60, 70 miles each ride um, and look for the biggest hills and constantly be like, oh, I need to go faster. I need to go harder. So I end up with injuries, which is obviously not how you should do it. (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell me some of the places you've competed? Um, oh my god! So, Canada, Japan, uh, New Zealand, Australia, um, oh. Russia, China, Singapore, South Africa, and then everywhere in Europe. I think every single European country, bar Portugal. Oh. So everywhere from like Estonia and Latvia, 
Norway, um, yeah, France, Spain, Germany, Switzerland, Italy, pretty much, pretty much everywhere. Yeah. Was anywhere your favourite place to ride? I think my favourite place is probably Cape Town. Uh, there's two places like Camps Bay and Penguin Bay, and they are absolutely stunning, stunning places to ride. Um, really nice people in general, and just they're just amazing. The, the, the scenery there is incredible. The rock structure is just amazing it's kind of it's a little bit like Dartmoor which is probably why I like it so much because obviously I love Dartmoor but um it's kind of like Dartmoor but much much bigger and you don't have to climb a big hill to get to the rocks <laughs> um and in the background you have Table Mountain which is incredible to ride as well I've actually ridden mountain bikes up up and down Table Mountain as well um which is super super cool um and yeah just the whole place is kind of in one day I went surfing road trials went climbing um, rode up Table Mountain and back down uh, and went out on a motorbike all over Cape Town and it's kind of it's one of those places you can do everything you want and it's just on your doorstep and the weather is amazing the people are lovely um, yes the food's great <laughs> so probably probably Cape Town actually I really liked Japan some great places in New Zealand as well and I actually lived in Macau last year in China for uh, three and a half months and that was I actually hated it at first, but I, I came to really like it. And I found, I found some really nice places to train there as well. Cause again, that's like a, it's got a big rocky granite coastline. So it's kind of perfect for riding trials and the weather was amazing. So. <laughs> What's it like with the language barriers? I think that's where it's quite handy that I'm English because <laughs> um, I didn't really know which language to try and learn. And my mum teaches German and French. So I probably should have learned those. <laughs> um, but I found that every week I was kind of in a different country. Um, so it, it was quite difficult to know which language to learn. And then I realized that one day I was sitting down uh, at a friend's house um, in Germany and there was nine nationalities around the table and everybody speaks English. So the fact that you're good in English is, is quite good. I probably, I'd like to learn Spanish, um, but... I think being English is a big help. It's not as easy when you go to China because not many people speak English in China. <laughs> yeah. Um, but most other places, it's pretty good. I mean, English is, is a very widely spoken language, so we're quite lucky that we're English. Yeah. Is there anywhere that you'd really like to go but you haven't been yet? The Seychelles I'd really like to go to. There's a place called Hampi in India, uh, which is an incredible, huge national park. And it just, it looks like a stunning location. Um, and then there's a few places in America. I haven't traveled that much in America. Um, so places like Joshua Tree and Quaco Tanks um, are places I like to go. They're actually, all of those are, and Rockland in South Africa, which I haven't been to, but um, they're all climbing areas and I climb quite a lot. Yeah. But equally, the, the areas that are best for like climbing and bouldering are also fantastic for riding trials. So it's quite lucky that the two main sports that I love doing, um, you can go to one place and it's the best place for both sports. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Can you tell me a bit about your climbing? Um, yeah. So I, I started climbing maybe five years ago um, and I got kind of hooked. It's quite good in the winter in England when it's obviously raining and dark and cold and windy um, that you can climb indoors. So I started climbing indoors 
and it was just kind of quite accessible. I also, the, the, the main thing that actually started me climbing was um, I had a really bad back injury, uh, crushed two discs in my back and spent three weeks not being able to walk or go anywhere. And then after three months, I think it was, I started moving properly again. And rather than actually just doing the normal physio, boring exercises, which sitting around for two hours a day doing like these exercises was, you know, it's not very inspiring. Um, so I spoke to a guy that I'd, I'd known previously, uh, who was the manager at the key climbing center in Exeter, um, and said like, look, I've had this back injury. I'd quite like to start climbing. Cause I think it'd be quite, it's a sport where it's not loading your spine. Um, and it's dynamic strength, flexibility, power, everything. Um, and he just said, come along and train and get yourself back, you know, back to being able to ride properly, um, which was really good. And it helped my back a lot, mm. a lot, because it's a lot of core tension, a lot of strength around your spine. And again, it's it's not an impact loading it. So when I'm on the bike, it's constantly um, a lot of impact on my back. Whereas when I climb, it's kind of the opposite. You're hanging on your arm. So it's it's much better, better for me, really. Yeah. Does it help with your trials riding? Um, I think to a degree it does, yeah actually um i generally find if i don't climb too much too excessively i think it can be really good um but if i climb too much it kind of burns my forearms out and then i can't hold on to the handlebars <laughs> well. um but amazingly as well there's when, when you climb slabs don't know if you know much about climbing but when you climb a slab so a positive edge it's a lot of balance um, and it's a lot of controlled movement and i found that when i climb difficult slab problems when I get back on my bike, I found that my control on my bike was, was better. And I think it's because my um, deep rooted balance is on my bike. But then when I add the neurological drive from climbing and being stressed in those different positions, then when I go back on my bike, it actually does help me. And obviously there's a lot of upper body strength involved in trials as well as climbing. So having that strength in your back and pulling the handlebars um, and in your hands, just being able to hold, hold strong. Uh, yeah, I think it does help. Yeah. Mm. A lot of my friends actually now that um, ride have all started climbing. <laughs> like loads. Of them, like loads. <laughs> what sort of training do you do and how do you prepare yourself for a big event? Um, good question. I used to train a lot in the gym. I don't so much anymore. Generally, I... I, work, I use the gym to push myself in short sprints. So I'll do like FTP tests on a watt bike and things. So I'll do kind of like five or 20 minute sprints actually, which is much longer than I need on a trials bike um, as the sections are usually two to two and a half minutes. Um, but it just means that when, you're, when your muscle starts fatiguing, I can still push at a high capacity. Um, and then I do, I used to do a lot of weightlifting. I've had quite a lot of problems in my right arm. So I haven't been able to weightlift for the last couple of years, but previously I did a lot of weightlifting. So focusing on cleans and, um, clean and press. So the Olympic lifts and, um, and snatches, uh, and then also deadlifts and squats just because they are like the main driving forces in trials. When you want to be able to bunny hop really high, you need that drive in your legs and you need to be able to lift it's exactly the same motion as lifting a barbell. Um, yeah. So it's, it's good cross training. The problem is, like I said earlier, I do things to excess. So when I got into weightlifting and going to the gym, I, I probably spent too much time weightlifting in the gym because I could see a big increase quite quickly. So I kind of got a bit obsessed with it, but there's a fine balance. You still need to spend all the time on your bike to have the bike handling and control. 
um, and then take the benefits of being in the gym and put them back onto your bike as opposed to spending too much time in the, in the gym like I used to. <laughs> Do you get nervous about events? Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, always. Pretty much every event, actually. Um, yeah, I don't. I think I hide it quite well. A lot of people will say like, "Oh, you're not nervous at all," but actually, inside, I'm going crazy in my brain. Um, so yeah, I, I still get very nervous. Even even little events like the one I went to on Sunday, when it did, you know, the result doesn't really matter. Um, but I hadn't ridden. I've just finished filming Ninja Warrior France, so um, because I've I've been out there. I've been on the course for 12 hours a day. I haven't ridden very much. Um, so I was a bit worried, like, oh, am I going to feel good? Am I going to enjoy it? And I really enjoyed it. And, and it was, once I start going, I'm fine. But before, oh, my God, they're terrible. Always worried. Even shows, even the show you would have seen me at, I, I would have been, like, quite nervous beforehand and kind of, oh, I hope it goes well. I want people to enjoy watching. I want to enjoy riding. I want to put on a good show for the event as well. So. Yeah, yeah. I think people really loved it good thanks and I think it's nice to see that like even professional riders get nervous before races because I get really nervous before races and it's nice to know that even professionals get nervous as well oh yeah and I think it's it's interesting I've, I've noticed a lot there's there's different types of people that you know handle stress and nerves differently for me um I can usually outperform myself in a competition than I can in training um on countless occasions I've done things in competition first try no problem like it's nothing and I've gone back after the competition and I'm like oh I'm just going to do that again and like maybe film it and I, and I can't do it and, <laughs> it should, and I'm like what and there's there's people that kind of like use those nerves and turn it into a positive and then there's people that use those nerves and turn it into a negative and I've seen people that they definitely outperform me in training. And I think there's no way I'm going to beat that guy. And then when it comes to a competition, I'll beat them every single time. So I, I, I go up here and they go down there. And then we're kind of, we end up just like this. So they, they might be close to me, but they're, you know, and in my head, I'm thinking, well, they should be up here and I'm down here. But when it actually comes to it, the nerves, they let the nerves get the better of them. And I think it's, it's using that nervous energy, trying to relax not let it burn too much energy because when you're nervous you can burn a lot of energy so it can make you fatigue and tired quite quick like earlier than you should be so it's trying to calm yourself down in your head yeah what are other competitors like is it easy to make friends um i guess it is really yeah i think that's actually probably one of the things that attracted me to trials as well um the guy the first guys that i ever met two guys called lee and nathan actually and I, I spoke to Lee about, about a year ago, but we, we're going back like 20 odd years. Um, but they were really nice guys, really accepting, straight away, just nice people. Like, oh, come, yeah, come around. Like, we'll help you with your bike. And it's just, it's a really nice community. And I think even, like, there's a really good example. Like, um, a friend of mine, Wesley, who was actually, uh, he was world champion a couple of times in junior. So he's a very good rider. We went to a competition years ago. Probably doesn't even remember this, but we went to a competition, um, and I'm I'm like one of his main rivals, and my brake was terrible. And he was like, "Here you go, have these brake pads, try them out. You know, like your brake would be really good." And my brake was amazing, and I beat him and pushed him out of the finals in the World Cup. Um, and you know, like, and, it, and it's fine. Like nobody, everybody's like, "No, nah, that's cool." You know, you won 
fair and square and generally speaking everybody's pretty cool like I've, I've now got loads of friends I can stay with when I go to different countries um and yeah I think it's it's quite it's a very nice community trials definitely mm, yeah where do you do your training do you just sort of do it anywhere um I have a couple of places that I mainly train when I'm at home so one is my warehouse where I was today because it was raining a lot in horrible weather so I've got I'm pretty lucky I've got a warehouse there's um some guys in Exeter that run uh, the charity called Book Cycle and they've got a warehouse just opposite where I live um, and they've given me a little bit of space in there. It's basically, it's far from glamorous. <laughs> it's um, a rundown old building um, with a very leaky roof, but it's a place where I can go indoors, I can train, I can build what I want. Um, I can put my headphones in and just ride flat out for two hours and, and yeah, so it, it's a great facility. I don't train there that much actually um because i really like riding natural really technical rocks so the two other places i train mostly uh dawlish warren is probably the first one uh so there's some really big coastal rocks they're very sharp jagged big rocks uh which is what i like because it's a lot of precision a lot of um sort of static power moves so it's it's a lot of balance a lot of precision and a lot of um a lot of instant power a lot not many people like riding there actually I, I pretty much ride there by myself because they're, they're sharp and if something goes wrong you fall down a huge hole and cut yourself up <laughs> on the rock so but for me it gives me a lot of confidence so then when i go and ride competitions somewhere else other people think oh that's really dangerous and i think this is really safe and it's cool because <laughs> i'm pretty used to you know riding stuff that other people maybe don't and then the other one is Dartmoor. So I mainly ride on Bone Hill uh, on Dartmoor, which is very nice, quiet, close to the car, so I don't have to walk too far. <laughs> um, and I can literally get out the car and train straight away. If I have a problem with the bike, it's easy to get back to. Um, and the rocks there, the rock formation is just perfect for riding trials. And there's mm. there's challenges, there's, there's things there. I basically just always find new things to ride. And I've ridden there thousands of hours over the last 15, 20 years yeah what sort of kit do you need um helmet and gloves decent pair of shoes and a good bike that's pretty much it uh, so it's pretty it's pretty straightforward i mean you can ride trials the beauty of trials is you can ride anywhere i can still i can go out and find something to ride 100 meters outside my house um you know there's always a wall or a curb and you you find different ways of doing things different movements that you can practice to then put into use on you know real obstacles kind of in competitions and things um but yeah in terms of equipment that's all you need really yeah what bikes do you have uh okay so at the moment i'm kind of between two brands of trials bikes maestro uh which is a full carbon really nice bike but the geometry is a little bit too big for me and they were my sponsors last year and then this year i've been riding for a company called krukers who are from france um which is an aluminium frame and then car- everything else is carbon really um which is a slightly better geometry but it's a slightly heavier bike heavier bike uh so i've got those bikes and i've got a good few of each of those bikes and then i've got my uh enduro bike just got rid of my downhill bike um and then i've got my road bike as well my uh pinarello prince and then i've got um 
I've, I've got loads of trials bikes. <laughs> loads of trials. My, my garage is full of like old trials bikes that I should probably get rid of. Um, but yeah, I, I generally have like those. My main bike at the moment is the crew because that's the thing I ride kind of day in, day out. Which one would you say is your favourite? Oh, I actually really don't know. I can't choose between the two brands and it's quite annoying because um, there's so many pluses and minuses of each one that they kind of like, they're kind of like this and yeah. I want to ride that one, but then I want to ride that one and mm -hmm. for different things. I could, I can go bigger on one bike basically, but I have much more balance and control on the other bike. So it's very difficult. I think for a competition, it's more important that I have the balance and control. So at the moment I'm riding the Krukers. So it pains me to say it, but probably the Krukers is my favorite bike at the moment. <laughs> what tires and tire pressure do you normally have? Okay. That's a good question. Um, so um actually pressure wise i'm probably not sure it's maybe maybe 25 30 psi um i actually change my tire pressure all the time um most riders have a have like a pressure gauge but i just literally go on feel um depending on where i'm riding and what i'm riding so if i'm riding sharp rocks um then i'll run slightly harder pressure and then if I'm on kind of flat stuff where I think I'm not going to get a puncher, I'll run a slightly softer pressure and I'll get like a little bit more power when I run slightly lower pressures. But then you have to compensate with, you know, if it's a lot of uneven surfaces, a lower tire pressure means the tire folds more. So I actually, even through competitions from section to section, I'll change my tire pressure and I'll be like, oh, for that move, I need a slightly harder tire pressure or a softer tire pressure. So I, I change that quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then tire wise, I run some really old tires, which aren't even manufactured anymore. Um, <laughs> just because like, for me, I feel like they're the best tire ever made. And I'm really annoyed they stopped making them. So I've got a couple left that probably last about another year. <laughs> I'll have to change them. How many do you take to a competition? Um, I basically take two full bikes. I always have two whole bikes built. I'll have my main bike that I ride all the time, which I'll usually use in the competition as well. And then I have a second bike that I can ride. Some people manage to go straight from kind of one bike and then they can just get on another bike and ride it the same. And that is totally not me. If I break a set of forks, instead of just riding the other bike, I will change the forks and rip the other bike apart and just take the forks off. <laughs> um, because for some reason in my little crazy brain, I feel like I need to ride the same bike. Um, so yeah, normally I'll, I'll do that, but I have two whole bikes. So worst case scenario, I rip a bike in half. I did a show in Macau. Actually, this is quite a funny story. I did a show in Macau last year. We were there doing a show every day, five or six days a week. And I 360 off the roof of a car in the middle of a show and my frame snapped into three pieces. Um, and it just shattered. I mean, it was hilarious. It just like, like that just blew up. And I kind of like, I'm in, I'm in an arena with three and a half thousand people watching me. Um, and yeah, I just kind of landed on the floor and weirdly I managed to land standing and like ran out of it. And I was like, uh, <laughs> and just picked up my bike in pieces, kind of like waved to the crowd holding like the down tube of my bike, which had just snapped off. I was like, bye everybody. I just like walked out the back and I had six minutes and I rebuilt the whole bike in six minutes from my spare bike because Wow. I didn't want to ride just like change. Although it's the same bike, it doesn't feel the same. So I changed the frame in like six minutes and rode back out for the next scene and managed to carry on and 
finish the show. Yeah. Out. <laughs> yeah. That sounds a bit crazy. <laughs> yeah, I've had a lot of a lot of things like that happen where it's like, oh my god, what am I going to do? Oh. <laughs> yeah, you just get on with it. Can you tell me about your Guinness World Records? Um, yeah, so I've broken loads. I think I've broken eight world records, and then. Uh, various things like the highest 360 drop highest 360 drop onto a target highest vertical drop highest vertical drop onto a target highest side up onto a platform highest step up forwards um, the most 180s in a minute uh, what else was everyone's yeah I think I remember seeing because I researched I think you did the most um, like wheelie hops in 30 seconds I think it was Oh yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, 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 that as well. Um, yeah, so I did that one and I did something else on the same day. I did three world records in 15 minutes, actually. Why? Um, but yeah, that, that's quite funny. That was just something that the event organiser said, could you do this one? And I just said like, yeah, probably. Um, and didn't really think about it anymore until I turned up at the event and they said, oh, you, you've got that world record to do. Um, and I hadn't practised it. So in the morning before... Uh, oh no, the night before, um, I tried it once <laughs> and failed it. And I was like, ah, I'll be all right. Um, and then I just, um, I just did it the next day and, and smashed the world record actually. Yeah. yeah. I, did, yeah. I don't know. I, did, I, did, I can't even remember now, but I did quite a lot more than the world record. It was quite good. What was the first one that you did? The first one I did was the most 180 bunny hops in a minute. So I think the world record was like 30, 31 and I did 36 or 35 or something in a minute. Since then I broke it again. I did it. I actually did 40, like 44 or something crazy. Um, which ironically is a really bad world record for me because I get so dizzy. I get really sick. I'm, I'm not very good with spinning. So I get really car sick and stuff as well. Um, and then somebody said, could you do it? And I kind of went, yeah, that, I think, I think I can do it. It'll be fine. And then I actually, I actually tried that one maybe six weeks or something before the world record attempt. And I did maybe 10 and I thought I was going to be sick. And I was like, this is really, really hard. I suddenly thought like, what have I got myself into? Never going to be able to do this. And then um, before I did that world record, I tried it in every show that I did. So every single show, I'd yeah. get somebody with a stopwatch and I'd be like, right, here we go. And get the whole crowd, whole crowd like cheering as I did it. So be like one, two, three, and like count all the way up. I'm like, I've got to get 30, I've got to get past 31. Um, and yeah, and I managed to get quite good at it. But after every single time I feel sick, dizzy, have to sit down for like 10 minutes. <laughs> it's quite funny. Do you still hold all of your world records? Um, I think there's two that have been broken since. Uh, which I'd actually like to break again, I think. Yeah. Uh, one of them, this Italian guy broke broke one recently. I spoke to him because I know him. Um, and I, he said, like, oh, do you mind if I do that one? I was like, no, it's fine. It's, you know, I'll, I'll break it again. You know, it's <laughs> um, so, um, yeah. And there's there's a couple more. There's actually, I've got two world records that I want to do that nobody's ever done. And I know that I'm the only road rider ever that's done it. So I'm, I'm trying to, find an event which I was hoping was going to be this year um, but I need to find a good event to, to do it and I need to find the people with the money to make it happen um, so you know I used to ride for Top Gear yeah 
Um, so I'm the only person that's ever ridden on cars while they're driving. And I want to make a world record for the furthest gap between two cars while they're driving. Um, oh, so no. for, forwards and sideways. So when the car's driving that way, jumping from this one to this one. And then uh, when they're driving like that way, going forwards, or, or technically it would be backwards because I want to go. So they drive towards me and I go up onto the front of the car and then jump from one car to the second car behind it and off the back of the second car, um, which is what I used to do in Top Gear Live. Um, so my, my plan is to set a world record and I don't know, maybe do like three, three and a half meters or something. Um, and I could pretty much do like the same kind of gap sideways, but the sideways gap is quite difficult because the control and the balance is really difficult. And when you're, when you're on a car as it's driving that way and you're, you're trying to look at the car, you can't help but see the ground and the ground goes that way. So you're kind of balanced looking at the car, but when, when you see the ground moving underneath, you, you automatically move with it. It makes you fall over. It's really dizzy. It's really weird. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping that I'm going to find an event next year where I can go and break those or set those world records. Oh, that sounds really cool. I'd love to see that. Yeah, it'd be super fun. It'd be, it'd be really good. It'd be really good. Are Guinness World Records sort of competitive between trials riders? Um, they are to a degree, yeah. I think there's two realms of records. There's like trials riders records and then there's Guinness World Records. And because obviously you, you've got three tries to do something for Guinness World Records. And then if you can't do it in three tries, you, you know, that's it. You can't do it. Whereas when you're at home, and you're feeling really good and it's like a Saturday night and you're, you're or like whatever, it's a Sunday and you're, you're out training and you're just feeling great. Like I can gap much further. Oh, I have the gap world record as well. And the, the furthest gap bar to bar. And my record is like two meters 90 or something. Um, but I've done more like three meters 20. Oh, wow. Quite a bit further, but it's, it's not in the controlled environment of Guinness world records. So it's actually harder, I think, to break a world record for Guinness than it is to do it at home. And you have you have strict guidelines. Like you have to take off of a bar that's 10 centimetres wide, um, has to be at least a metre off the floor. You have to start from a control position for at least two seconds and you have to land and be in a control position for at least two seconds and then drop the other side of the bar. So when people, when you do that, a gap world record at home, you might do it from like two flat level things. So you've got more distance to get the power into the back wheel to jump further. It's not from a bar to a bar and you know, you might land and kind of land and fall off to the side or land and go straight off the other side, but you're not landing in a controlled manner on that bar. So, yeah, it, you know, it's not as strict. So I know, I know one guy, Joachim Neiman, who's an absolute monster. He did three meters 40, which is huge. Um, but again, it's kind of, it's from a pallet to a pallet and it's on the floor and he's in his cave in his little training den, you know, and he's, he's super powerful anyway. But yeah, so that's a very different thing than going from like a bar to a bar. Um, yeah. And when it's, you know, like when, when you break a world record with Guinness, it's like oh, on Saturday, the, you know, Saturday the 28th of July, you have to be there and ready and you've got three tries to break it. So it's not kind of like you can do it in your own time when you're ready and have as many attempts as you want. It's kind of, you've got yeah. three tries on that day at that time. So you have to be pretty confident you can you can do it there and then on the spot. 
you can't just wake up and have a bad day and be like, no, I'm not doing it today. <laughs> yeah, that must make you feel very nervous when you know that you've got to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's kind of, it is quite a lot of pressure. Like, oh, I actually, especially when it's something that you really want as well for yourself and you know that you can do it, but you might wake up and be like, I'm tired today. Like a lot of my world records, I've broken um, Prudential Ride London, the big event. Um, so I actually organise a trials competition there every year. Um, and then they, part of the deal is that I'll break world records for them as well. Um, and um, the problem is with that event is I design the course, I build the course, I organise everybody to come over from all around the world. So last year we had like 25 people from everywhere, from China to Canada. Um, and I organize everybody to come and I'm communicating with like 50 people and I'm, I'm physically building the sections on site wearing a yellow jacket with a drill. You know, I'm, I'm doing all of that for weeks before. So actually it's like the worst time for me to try and break world records. And that's what people don't really, really see the behind the scenes. Like, you know, everyone thinks, Oh, it's perfect. It's like, you've, you've tapered up to, to, to do something but actually it's quite the opposite i'm usually not riding very much the weeks before um and i'm sort of focusing on getting the event ready and then it's suddenly oh my god i'm in green park the event's today i have to do it <laughs> so um yeah i mean i work quite well with crowds as well so if there's a big crowd i'll generally push like 50 percent harder than there is there's nobody there i know you've been in the final twice of ninja warrior uk can you tell me about that? Um, yeah, so I competed, I think, 2015 and 2016. And uh, a friend of mine, Tim Sheaf, actually, he was last man standing seasons one and two, I think. But he um, he was uh, invited to be on the show because he'd already done the one in America. And he said he said to me, like, oh, you should, you should uh, be on the show. And he spoke to them and said, like, Andre's going to come and audition. He's, he's going to be good. Um, which was really cool. Um, and I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the experience. The course was really fun. Um, and then, oh, how things have changed now. Um, and then I was asked to come and work for them um, after after season two. And I actually said no, uh, because if I worked for them, I wasn't allowed to compete. Um, and I still wanted to, I actually wanted to win the show because I was pretty sure I could complete the course. The second season I did, I actually um, broke four metatarsals in my left foot six weeks before the show. Um, so a car, a car in top gear, basically. I fell off the roof of a car. The other car drove in my foot. I broke my left foot um, six weeks before. So I cut my cast off the day before I went to do Ninja Warrior UK. And I felt I, when I went wrong in the finals, uh, it's because my left foot, basically, I just couldn't really run on it. Um, which was pretty frustrating. And then, um, yeah. And then after that, they didn't have me back for season three because I'd already been on TV twice. And I kind of realized that I could be hanging around for years for the next opportunity to go and compete. So uh, then they offered me, yeah, they offered me the job again to go and film in Spain. So I ended up going to Spain and filming Ninja Warrior Spain um, and doing all the behind the scenes work, making sure all the obstacles work. Um, just literally working as a course tester. And then since then I've actually done every single European production. Uh, so I've probably done 20 different countries now. Uh, and I've been to Russia and everywhere with them. Yeah. Um, 
yeah and now i when you watch tv and you see a guy dressed as a black ninja that's pretty much what i do <laughs> um, yeah so i i literally in some countries it's just so like poland in the finals it's just me in a pair of shorts and they're like here's the professional andre he's going to do the course for us and i show them how the course can run um and show them every obstacle and then in other countries we dress as ninjas so there's um there's like three or four of us that are professional ninja warriors and we literally go from country to country and set the course dress as a ninja run it for tv so that everybody at home can see that every obstacle is possible we show all the contestants how every obstacle works um so that they can see that because sometimes you look at it and think oh this is like impossible but when you can just see somebody do it there and then on the spot then you know that it's it, everything is possible you just need to put it all together wow that's so cool i never realized that that you're one of those people yep that is that is now so basically the last three four well four years now i've almost had two full-time jobs so i've been riding professionally competing and then I've also uh, been doing Ninja Warrior. So I've actually, I've had times like we filmed in Budapest. We filmed um, Ninja Warrior Hungary and Ninja Warrior Austria. And in the middle of that production, I drove to somewhere in Austria overnight, competed in the World Cup, made the finals, then drove back and carried on working on set as an engine like the next day. And then I won the British Championships in 2018. I was actually in the middle of filming Ninja Warrior Germany. I did a 12-hour shift on the course, drove all night to Cambridge, competed all day, uh, won the British Championships, got straight back in my car, drove for 12 hours overnight back to the south of Germany to Karlsruhe, and then got straight back on the course and did another 12-hour day on the course. And then, yeah, I didn't sleep for two whole nights. I was awake for three days and did two lots of Ninja Warrior 12-hour shifts and won the British Championship. So I, I go through some pretty crazy times kind of trying to make it, balance everything out and make it all work. Wow, that sounds like really cool, but really crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been pretty hectic, pretty hectic. And I've, I've ended up with quite a few kind of injuries um, that have probably just been made worse from doing Ninja Warrior because it's a lot of upper body and it's a lot of the obstacles and you don't really want to do them too many times, not just because they're not fun, but because um, they're quite abusive on your, on your body, on your joints. And there's kind of timings that sometimes when you jump, jump to a cargo net, you can't land carefully. Or if you're coming off of an obstacle and you hit something, it's quite a brutal impact. Um, so I ended up dislocating my right elbow in France two, three years ago. And I didn't realize, so I just carried on for like five no. days um, and I couldn't bend my arm or straighten my arm properly. Um, and then it turns out that it was basically completely out of place. Um, so I had it put back in, carried on the course for another week. And then since then, it hasn't been right and it caused loads of problems. So I had to have an operation on it at the beginning of this year to try and fix my arm because... It just doesn't, it didn't work. It was destroyed. A lot of pain for the last three years. It's constant pain. So now it's it's not great, but it's better than it was. Yeah. Yeah. And I've literally just come back from filming France again, actually, season five. So I got back about a week ago. How has your year been affected by coronavirus? Massively. Um, as everybody else, uh, I guess they've had pretty tough years. Um, I've managed... I, 
I was quite lucky and I knew that I was going to have this operation. So I essentially saved up last year expecting, not knowing the outcome of the operation and how it was going to go. I kind of expected that I may not be able to work for like six months. I may not be able to ride. I have no idea what's happening. So um, I kind of set myself up and I had the operation in February, the end of February. So just before lockdown. So I, I couldn't really do anything for like two months because my arm was like completely, you know, completely useless. Um, so it actually came about quite a good time. Um, and I'd planned to take a bit of time off. And then the production for Ninja Warrior Germany happened in May. All my UK shows were cancelled. Everything on my bike was cancelled. No World Cups, like nothing. It was really bad. So I was really worried. And then Ninja Warrior Germany uh, managed to make the production happen in May. So I managed to get my arm moving enough, just enough to be able to go and film in Germany, um, which was pretty worrying because I had no idea how my arm was going to work um, and how strong I was going to be. I definitely wasn't as strong as I normally am, but on the course, but um, yeah, I managed to get through it and that really helped me out. So between, I've, done, I've filmed Germany, Poland and France this year. So it's cool that those productions carried on. And with a bit of support from Salt Rock as well, um, although they've obviously, just like everyone else, been affected hugely. Um, but yeah, I've managed to kind of get through get through the year. But it's been really rubbish. There's not been a lot to get excited for. Um, I had a competition, my first competition this year um, on the weekend. And then we've got another, I'm going to go and ride another competition this Sunday up in Derbyshire, which more or less, to be honest, just for fun, because I, I kind of want to, but... I haven't been training for it or anything. I'm just going to see what happens. Yeah. Are there any ways that you can watch these events on like TV or Red Bull or something? Um, the World Cups and the World Championships are actually, um, yeah, they're broadcasted. Um, so it's usually broadcasted, I think on, I think on, the World Cups are on YouTube and then the World Championships, there was a bit on BBC Sport last year. We're, we're pretty lucky that we've got... Um, Actually, the best rider in Britain now is a guy called Jack Carthy. I'm kind of second. I'm basically I'm second, um, which is fine. Jack Carthy is incredible. Um, he's just just on a different world, really. He's he's already he's twenty twenty two years old, I think twenty three, and he's the best rider in history. Um, he's by far the best rider ever, ever, and it's. When I say he's good, people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he kind of makes me look like I'm a beginner. Like, that's how good he is. He's incredible. And I've been riding bikes for 20 years. And what he can do is just phenomenal. And he keeps he keeps setting the bar higher and higher. Um, this year, he trained so hard. I mean, he's already, like I think, three times elite world champion. And he's only been in elite three years. So he's kind of unbeatable. Um and it's, he's, he's a nice guy. We get on really well. And uh, when I get the opportunity to train with him, I do. Hopefully I'll see him at the weekend because um, he lives in Yorkshire, so miles away. Um, but yeah, he's, he's incredible. What are your plans for next year? Um, well, hopefully I'm going to be doing quite a lot with Ninja Warrior. I'm hoping that I'll, if, they, if the productions go ahead, depending on what happens with coronavirus, um, I'm hoping that maybe I'll film Ninja Warrior um, America. Um, Ninja Warrior USA and then uh, possibly Australia um, and I'll probably try and capitalise on those trips um, and ride as well and go and do some some big epic trips um, 
I'd quite like to get back to doing more shows in the UK because I've been away so much the last few years. Um, was it 2018? I spent six months actually with Ninja Warrior. So for six months, I was on the course every day. And the only days I wasn't on the course, I was on my bike competing or doing shows. So yeah, I'd quite like to like kind of get back a little bit to the UK and do some shows here. Um, the last few years, I think we've just doing so much with Ninja Warrior. It's kind of taken a second, like a back seat, if you like. Um, but yeah, I'd like to do more shows in England again. Uh, hopefully, break another couple of world records. I really want to, really want to break those those world records. Um, it'd be nice to say that I've broken ten world records as well in my life. Um, and competition-wise, I'm not entirely sure yet. I, I may or may not compete. Um, I kind of fluctuate with with motivation to compete at the moment because I've been riding a long time. So at the moment I feel like I really want to compete. Um, but I don't know that in six months time, I'll still feel the same. Um, and I've had, like we said about injuries, I've actually got quite a bad back injury. Um, and it's sometimes if it doesn't hurt, I just want to ride all the time, but when it hurts, it's affected quite a lot by riding. Yeah. Uh, and that, that makes me kind of, it's hard to get the motivation to go and train when it hurts, hurts you a lot. Um, so when it, when it doesn't hurt, I ride like constantly, but when it, when it hurts, I'm kind of a bit stuck. So we'll see. Hopefully I'll ride the world championships again. Um, maybe, maybe another few years in the world championships. What's your favorite event you've ever done? So I've kind of got two actually. Uh, one, is my event in London because I go to a lot of effort to make that event happen. Huge amount of effort. Um, working crazy hours, designing, building a bit. I design it in 3D and uh, on the computer and then physically actually build everything. So I use the warehouse and, and build everything and transport it to London and, and build it on site. And it's, as far as I'm concerned, it's the best looking trials competition in the world. Um, and the fact that I've been on the podium like three or four times, I think is like crazy because I only invite world champions. So we, we literally have, like, I was second to Jack Carthy, I think last year or the year before. And it's like, which is really cool because the other guys are insane. Like they are legitimately the best. Um, so it's pretty exciting that I've had good results. I work really hard and it looks pretty amazing. I've actually got a video that I haven't released from last year and it looks it looks incredible. I keep forgetting to release it, but um, yeah, so that event. And then the the trial that I said about in Cahors where we ride against the motorbikes because the I've actually been there. Yeah, I think six years in a row I've been there and they have maybe 5,000 people watching. So it's a good sized crowd and you start in an arena um, and you ride a section. So they introduce you and you say hi to the crowd and you start in an arena and then you do, you ride one section, then all the other sections are around this really cool little town in France. Mm -hmm. And they're like big concrete blocks, and like just big, cool sections that look amazing. And they make them look like little buildings and stuff. And you have a crowd of people that follow you. So as I ride out the arena, because I've been there so many times, even though I'm not French, um, you have this big crowd of people that all follow you and they all know who you are and they will all ask for autographs and they've been there every year and they come back to watch you ride. And yeah, like each year I went like third, second, first, um, and then second last year. And it's really cool because they'll come up and talk to you 
and they seem to know me really well and it's just this little funny town in France and um, it's, it's like the best atmosphere it's a Saturday night you just have loads of fun riding um, and it's kind of I don't even take it seriously if you watch me ride there I'm basically having fun I get the crowd going I'll stop in the middle of the section and be like come on make some, you know I don't really think of it as a competition I think of it as having fun and um, and yeah it's just such a great atmosphere and there's a huge party afterwards so it's even better <laughs> that sounds really awesome <laughs> yeah super super fun event super fun who's your favorite rider or who inspires you um cool that is a very very difficult question um i think i take aspects of lots of different people and inspiration from different parts of different people uh, and how they how they ride how they live their lives and what they prioritize um like Kenny Belay has been, I think, nine times world champion, which yeah. is pretty amazing. He's three years older than me, I think. Yeah, I think he's 30, 37 now. Still competing at a really high level. And when he, I mean, like, I would think that he's not that good anymore. But when he wants to, if, if he's like, I want to be in the finals in the world championships, like the top six riders in the world, he's got an incredible ability to put all of his effort and focus into that one goal um, and make that happen. And that's pretty cool. I massively respect that. That's, you know, that's, that's impressive. Um, I mean, he's got incredible backers, like his, his family and his sponsors are amazing. So like financially he doesn't really struggle, um, but still having the focus to make that happen is pretty, pretty incredible. And then also like the likes of Jack Carthy, um, because he's, the, the thing with Jack is he rides by himself most of the time in Yorkshire, either in his garden or um, in a place called Shipley Glen, which is kind of like, I have Bone Hill, he has Shipley, Shipley Glen. And um, my big problem was always, I figured that I wasn't riding with the top riders all the time. So it was difficult to know whether I, my level was high enough or low or, you know, where I was until I went to a competition and Jack had probably less, uh, less influence than I did. And he, he never looked at the best in the world and thought that that was, um, that was where he was going to get to. He was just like, no, I'm going to go past that. And he kind of just raised the bar. So I respect him for kind of just having this insane ability to just go like, no, I'm just going to be better. And I mean, when he was, he came to a world cup when he was 14. So he was too young to compete. And after the finals had finished, which I was in, he then came round with me and tried the final sections. And when he was 14, he could ride the final sections. And that is, that's really big stuff. Really, really big. Um, And he's just, just unbelievably focused. He's kind of very, very focused and I admire that it's cool can you tell me about some of your social media yes I I don't know I just kind of with my social media I think some people these days really focus on it I actually don't really focus on it too much um I, I use it as a bit of a tool it's also quite nice to have a history of what I've done so I I more kind of put things on there that it's nice for me to have memories of places and 
I've done quite a lot and I've got a terrible memory. So the, the only way of me remembering it or a nice way is to be able to go through my Instagram feed <laughs> and be like, Oh, I went there and did that. I remember. Um, so I kind of use it as that. And if people, I don't specifically make things for an audience, um, which maybe commercially and, uh, for my sponsors, I should probably do that a bit more. Um, but equally, I don't really want to, uh, how do I put this politically correctly? Um, I don't really want to sell out and do like, I, I could go and ride mountain bikes and people would be like, Oh wow. It's, you know, like I'd probably get more attention if I rode mountain bikes and did trialsy kind of moves and stuff on it. And people would probably, I'd probably get a bigger recognition, but that's not really what I'm about. I want to do stuff that I find that challenges me and that I'm proud of achieving so I generally only put up stuff that I'm just kind of happy with that I've done. Like recently I climbed my first seven C boulder, um, which to most people watching that, you know, like the audience on my social media don't aren't necessarily climbers. They don't really care that I've climbed that. But um, for me personally, I'm like, that is a huge goal. You know, like seven C has always been like good people climb seven C, not me. So it's quite cool that I've now, I've now done that and I'm, I'm like, okay, well now I can go 8A and go to like, when you climb 8A, I can then legitimately say I'm a climber. <laughs> like I've achieved something. So it's, it's kind of like, uh, I use my social media as kind of a, a little, a kind of memory bank, I guess. Um, and yeah, kind of always giving myself, uh, especially actually through Corona, it's been quite good to have, uh, to use it as a tool of, I don't have a competition to go to and see how well I'm doing. So I can, I can give myself other challenges. Like, Oh, I want to get this done and, you know, and get it sent out and see what people think. Um, I'm kind of well known for doing things that most people won't, won't do either like riding on buildings. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you've seen the one in Macau where I am, I'm riding on top of a building that's probably 30 stories tall yeah. um, and jumping from roof to roof. And it's, it's not just like a flat roof to a flat roof. It's a very difficult technical small platform to a very difficult technical small platform across like a chasm of certain depth. And most people wouldn't, wouldn't do it um, or even look at it. I don't think, but for me, I see like, I see it as much of a mental challenge and I, I really, I really like mental challenges. Um, so I'm kind of like, well, I can do it. If it was on the floor, I would do it 10 times out of 10. So the fact that it's, you know, a hundred meters up shouldn't really make any difference in my mind, but obviously it does because of your natural fear. So I find it quite exciting to try and talk my brain over it and, you know, get through that scariness. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, cause I find it cool when people are doing like parkour on buildings, like when they're running along and then you're doing it on a bike and it's just crazy. Yeah. Funnily enough, I've actually, when I said I was training earlier, I was training with um, a guy called Ed Scott, who's um, Ed Scott's a very well-known free runner. He's very, very strong. Um, and I've just been, he came over and trained in my warehouse with me. So my setup on my bike is really good for, for him and another guy, Josh. So they come over occasionally and, and train in the warehouse. I spend a lot of time with free runners actually, um, mainly because of Ninja Warrior, but also I uh, started doing shows years ago with a guy called Kai Willis. Uh, who's a really well-known free runner that um, runs a company called Storm Clothing, uh, which is a free running brand. Um, 
and so a lot of my influence was kind of like it actually has been from uh from free running and i kind of see what they do on their feet and i'm like oh yeah i want to do that on my bike it's, my, my bike is like my trainers so um it's pretty cool like the, the guys today they were doing some lines and i was like ah oh, that's really cool i'm i'm gonna try that on my bike because and it's something that i haven't thought of in my own space and they kind of come in and see it in a different way and, and i really like that that's that's awesome um and free runnings again like it's the same kind of thing like a lot of them say um you can you know you can do it however far you can jump how far on the floor fine but when you go up onto a building your mentality changes and it becomes a purely psychological game um and in free running they've kind of like pioneered that and then I was kind of like, well, I can do that on my bike as well. So, um, yeah, I've got, I have actually got some stuff planned that I was going to do this year, but I was meant to go for, to China for a month and do some filming, some big stuff. Um, but uh, because of coronavirus, I couldn't go. So hopefully I'll do that next year if everything opens up. Yeah. Do you get scared of doing like the big jumps and everything? Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Yeah, some things, no. Like, if I look at a situation and it's, you know, like, I don't know, the consequences are pretty minimal. Like, I'm down low on the ground kind of thing. I'm not that scared. Um, but some of the stuff I've done is is pretty big, like, pretty high. The consequences are bad. If something goes wrong with your bike, it's out of your control. Um, you just have to, you know. But I kind of, I don't know, I, li- I like that mental game. So. <laughs> I use it as a positive. I wouldn't necessarily recommend anybody else does it, but you know, for me. When you do your videos, do you do it on the first try or does it take lots of takes? Um, That completely, completely varies. Um, Some things I might, I'm not going to lie. Some things will take like 50 tries um, and I'm just there for ages going crazy. Like, come on. (laughs) And then other things, other times, especially when I'm feeling feeling good in myself and well rested oh i'm like i want to film this and i'll just put the camera down and i'll do it first try um and yeah like so, some stuff there's a video that i um, me riding in a trial park in essex and i'd the day before i'd filmed the finals of ninja warrior poland um, and we finished really late at night so i got back to the hotel room packed my bike went to the airport flew to london stansted my friend picked me up and we went to the trials park. So I'd been awake for like two days and um, I'd done all of Ninja Warrior finals, stage one, two and three, like five times. And it was, yeah, when I got there, I actually felt really good. And I think every single line that's in the video I did first try, absolutely everything. Just like, oh, I'm just going to put my camera here and I'm going to do this. And it was, you know, so sometimes you just have those good days and other days, no. <laughs> If people want to watch your videos, where can they find them? Uh, the best thing to do is just get on Instagram, type in my name. You can't miss it. What advice would you give to young riders interested in trying trials riding? Uh, I'd say learn the basics, which most of which you don't even need a trials bike for, but learn the basics um, because once you get your control and balance dialed on a bike, everything else will become much easier. So a lot of people like me, they wanted to, you know, like when I started riding, I wanted to jump off stuff, you know, I was like, oh, I want to jump off a building. Um, 
but instead of doing that, it's much better if you learn the basics and control. And then although your initial learning curve will be very slow, it's better to learn the basics and also learn how to fall. Um, I think that's quite an important thing because everybody falls, you know, if you're not falling, you're not trying hard enough. So you need to know how to fall and get off a bike. I think that's pretty important. What music is on your playlist to get you ready for an event? <laughs> wow, I have a crazy playlist. Um, I don't really have any, any taste in music. Uh, so I listen to, you know, I, I, I don't even know. I mean, I listen to things like Ramstein. Ramstein all the way through to like the latest, like kind of, I mean, uh, probably not pop music, but let me just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it up now. Let's have a look. Um, so I have oh my god you won't even know any of this <laughs> like you know the song um, Pour the Milk I'd play it for you but I, oh, I can go offline and play it for you hang on uh, you know it? yeah so like that and then all the way through to um weirdly that's the kind of stuff I, I listen to such a wide taste of music when I'm training and I just when I listen to that I ride much better yeah much better when that song comes on I'm like here we go uh, yeah it's strange it's really strange even my girlfriend's like what you, you have no taste there's no like genre of music it's just what I like I like and that's it yeah it's pretty random thank you for coming on today Andre that's right. Thank you very much for having me. I hope it hasn't been hope it hasn't been too boring for you. It's been really interesting. Oh, cool. Good. How's it compared to uh, other people you've interviewed? I think with other people, I've known a lot about the type of riding that they do, but I think it's really good to learn about something new because I I haven't really had much experience with trials riding, so it's been really cool. Yeah, it's got it's quite different. It's quite a niche sport um and i think the, the problem is that it's like i think the problem is trials is very hard it's a very very difficult sport to start so if you can if you can get on a bike and pedal then you're cycling so you can you know you can kind of do mountain biking or you can get on a bmx and roll around a skate park and you're kind of bmxing with trials you can't just get on a bike and jump over a rail so it takes like years to learn the basics and that's kind of why the sport i think isn't isn't bigger than it is because people try riding trials for three months and they, and they, they realize they're not really getting anywhere and then they give up which is fair enough um so you only end up with the people that really kind of stick to it um so i think it, that's why it's kind of stayed a pretty small niche kind of sport um but it's so good because it transfers into so many different things. So many different things. Yeah. Like when I started surfing, I could just like the first time I surfed, I stood up on my first wave and I was like, oh, because you've got balance, you've got stability. Um, you know, your shoulders are strong because you spend half the time on the back wheel pulling up, pulling the bike up. So, um, you know, with Ninja Warrior, the first time I did Ninja Warrior UK, I didn't do anything other than run trials. So, um, and I was kind of like, oh, I can come here amongst free runners and climbers and gymnasts and perform just as well because 
I ride trials, so it's giving you like a background. I really enjoyed talking to Andre, and it was great to learn so much about his trials riding. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can check out our Instagram at cycling.talk.podcast, and you can find our podcast on Spotify, Acast, or via my website. See you on the bike.